This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Marcus Anthony Ray. He is the author of Seven Years of Skin. It's great to have you with us. It's great to be here. What is the book about, Marcus? The book's about seven years of my life when I became Mr. Nude North America, which is Canada and the United States. You said Mr. Nude North, North America. America. So break that down. What does that mean exactly? Male exotic dancing. Okay. So you were a male exotic dancer for seven years of your life. I was 20 when I was in the 80s. 20 wow. in the 80s, that should say it all. 20 in the 80s, right. Well, I was going to say the byline of the book is my life as an 80s male exotic dancer. That's right. Wow. Many questions. First off, is there a book like this on the market that exists, or is this the first? Not that I know of. Um, there was one book put out by two Chippendales a while back that was not anything like this book. Okay. Um, because I was mainly Canadian-based uh, male stripper, we strip all the way. We don't leave anything on. Oh, is that right? Uh, so a totally different... Oh, yeah. Right here in the United States. Totally different. Right, yeah, it is. That is very, very different. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so how would you describe the book? Is it a biography? Is it a self-help book? Is it a motivational book? Uh, well, no, it is motivational um, because it, uh, it shows you how a regular I am my father's son goes into something like that, hits the rock bottom, yeah. and then climbs back out. So it's, uh, I mean, that deep, dark world of anything goes yeah. sucks you in. What made you want to put this onto paper? You know, I wanted to help other people. What I saw in society made me want to put it on paper. Um, I was a regular young man going into this thing, and you know, when you're, when you're young and you're growing up and your parents have value system and you have borders. Yeah. Well, once those start moving, that's what happens in that industry, which killed about 21 of us. And I see society's borders moving too far apart. What do you mean it killed 21 of us? 21 of those guys died out of the us original 35. Right. How, how did they pass away? Uh, suicide was the biggest. Yeah. Overdose. Um, car accidents were huge. Right. And uh, AIDS wiped out at least yeah. 11 or 12 of them. Yeah, you talk, you talk about that yeah. in the book. Um, I'd imagine this is a difficult, or was it a difficult process for you? Was it cathartic? How would you describe the process to of writing it? write that book? It? Yeah. I got four daughters. Yeah. Yeah, that was a difficult book to write. Right. Yeah. I mean, did they, they knew about your background or did they not really know until this know. came out? They didn't know. They didn't know. I pulled the older ones aside and told them uh, when I was writing the book. I didn't think they would go to their high school and tell all their friends, but they did. Mm -hmm. I was driving up one day in my sports car to pick them up from high school and there's about 30 young girls outside. Wow. All standing there and about six teachers all waiting for me to drive up so they'd get a look at me. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty embarrassing. Well, I guess it goes with the territory, as they say. Yeah, and the school actually asked me to speak at the school. They did? Yeah. About? Drugs and everything else, because they just figured, assumed that I would know. 
Yeah. yeah. Wow. What, what was the biggest challenge for you in writing it? Getting through it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that when you are, when you want to tell the truth, uh, I had to write that book four or five times. Yeah. And I kept giving it out to publishers. They kept giving it back saying, you didn't go into detail here. You didn't tell this. And I said, well, yeah, I, I'm not sure I want to. They said, well, we're not interested in the book unless you do. Mm. How long did it take you to write it? Uh, two and a half years. Okay. How did you decide what to put in it and what not to put in it? Is there anything you left out? I mean, because it is pretty graphic. It's, it's not for everyone. I mean, you, no, you that go book's into, not for everyone. You, you go into detail. Yeah, rightfully I do. So. But, but I did leave. I mean, I only, I, there's only so much I can put in there, but you can imagine seven years. Right. So, right. but, but the main details are in there. You can just basically times it by a hundred. Right. And a lot of things happen. How did you get into this industry? Well, that's kind of funny. I was a lead singer of a rock band doing very well, traveling with the big bands when I was extremely young. I was on Dolly Parton's knee when I was 11. Wow. And um, I sat on her knee on stage when she sang Coat of Many Colors. I kind of sat forward. Um, the, uh, the rock band did really well, and then I became a male model. I was noticed on stage and they cut my hair and I became a ramp model for the big department stores. No kidding. And then from ramp modeling, I became a male stripper. Well, to go back for a second, talk about that transition. <laughs> you went from modeling ramp, what do you mean by ramp? Well, ramp modeling, a, a male model. I was a male okay. model, photograph model and okay. a ramp model. And um, they took a lot of photographs of you. And then I got into bodybuilding. I won some bodybuilding competitions while I was male modeling. And then that led me right into male stripping. They noticed me when I went to a nightclub, did an amateur hula dancing contest ah. for $500 back in 82. Okay. And uh, there was eight really built guys up there doing it, so I dropped my pants and I won. Okay. And the agents uh, for international artists were there. And they just walked up and said, you're worth a thousand bucks a week. I said, okay. So Marcus, why did you say yes? I said yes right away because we were all out of work at the time. Uh, there was a huge housing crash. We were all in construction, my dad, myself. And uh, so I, I just said that, you know, I, I need to earn this money to save the family house. It was going into foreclosure within two months. So it took me six months to catch up all the mortgage payment. By the 13th month, I paid the house off. Okay, so that's 13 months, but that then turned into seven years. So after, you paid, after you, you paid off the house, you just said it, you got addicted. Uh, I got addicted. What did you get addicted to? The money and the women. So you're addicted to the women and the money, mm -hmm. but it's not just a show. It's not like the show ends and the audience leaves. That's what your book is about. Your life was the show 24-7. Well, there's two people. Like, um, you're, Marcus Anthony Ray is my name, but Jody Ray was my stage name. Right. So you actually swap between those two people. So during the day, I'm Marcus Anthony Ray, and at night, I became Jody Ray. But after a while, due to drugs, alcohol, women, everything else, I became Jody Ray full-time. How, how does it transcend the stage, right? Is it, is it the women coming you know, out to you in the parking lot? Is it you hitting on women? I mean, how does the whole process work? Well, not to make women sound bad. I no. mean, this is the 80s. Well, whoever the audience is. Yeah, but when, when, you, when you start out in male stripping, you have to rise... So there's male strippers and there's male exotic dancers. There's two tiers. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were more of the theatrical jazz dancing, um, uh, gymnastics. I could jump four and a half feet in the air and do the splits. Wow. Yeah. So we were, we were far beyond what you might have seen uh, back in those days. And that's why we were worth more money. And that's why we won all the competitions. 
uh, the top 10 guys were the top 10 guys. You couldn't beat us. Right. And so it's so, a sport. <laughs> yeah. And then our shows. Uh, in one show, they carry me out in a crate. There's no bottom to the crate. They put the crate on the floor. The women are screaming. There's chains on the crate. And I can lift the crate with my head and start spinning it. So all you see in the middle of the floor is a crate spinning. Yeah. And dry ice pouring out. And yeah. Yeah. We, we did these crazy right. shows. Yeah. I mean, it crazy. sounds like a Vegas show. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. C-Suite Radio. So the women themselves, if, if, if I can say this without making women sound bad, because that's not what I want to do, they would come at you maybe 50 to 60 of them a night. So you wow. had your choice. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, you start the book. It's very powerful. The first chapter is the beginning of the end. Yeah. Which is an interesting way to, to start a book. And it's very graphic. Very and it's graphic. A, it's was, about a, was, a party where you, a private party that. where you get hired. and I'm never going to forget that one. I don't know if you actually, I don't remember if you used the word, but it's, it's as if you were raped. No, I was. Is that how you would yeah. describe it? Yeah, well, it, it, took, it took five women to hold me down. Right. If I remember correctly, because there was two on my legs, two on my arms. Right. One holding my head. And, uh, yeah. But, so... I mean, they right, they right. were all medical students, by the way. Right, I know. It was a medical field. They were, they were doctors and medical students. So they were holding you down? Did you yeah. try to fight back? Did you try to break free? Well, at first, yeah, but you get worn out. There's a dozen of them, and there's one of me. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't, you know, when they're sitting on your arms and you, and you just blood flow itself, I mean, you just can't. Right. You can only fight back so long. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, 21 people lost the drugs, the AIDS. It's Tell a very lonely, this yeah. is going to shock you, um, it's an extremely lonely thing to do. Yeah. Because no one wants you or loves you for you. They only want what you are. Right. Well, that, that tortured and yeah. killed a lot of the guys. Right. I mean, how, how did you deal with you know, facing the AIDS crisis and, and your line of work and everything that came along with it? Well, AIDS was no problem for me. I wrote a thank you letter to Trojan Condoms. Uh, mm -hmm. They thought it was pretty funny, and they actually answered me back. Oh, saying, is that right? Well, Mr. New North America just wrote them a letter saying thank you for my life. Right. <laughs> Which right. they thought was pretty comical. Yeah. Um, but uh, there was a girl that followed me around everywhere I went. If I flew somewhere, she flew. I flew to Hawaii to dance, she flew. So I never went anywhere near her. I always uh, yeah. rejected her, turned her away at every turn because you can tell when someone's a little bit off. A uh, very pretty lady. Uh, she ended up killing herself. No kidding. Yeah. And that screwed me up because I thought I must be part to blame. I'm sure I wasn't all to blame, but I must be part of that. I must have been a part of that. 
So when I found out I was in Kelowna, there was three women in my room. They were naked in the shower yelling my name, and I was sitting there. Another dancer told me that this girl had killed herself. We all knew who she was. And uh, I jumped in one of my Corvettes, and I just hit the highway coming home at 2 in the morning. And at about 180 miles an hour, I decided to turn into the river. Mm. And I didn't die. Wow. It, so you were submerged? It hit, no, it hit the embankment. It flew straight up in the air. Instead of going into the river, it went up in the air, came down, end over end. I mean, it caught, it, it fell apart, caught fire. I was trapped in it. And what happened? Were you, I just you were closed injured? my eyes and just let it go. What, what you were injured? I mean, oh, I was injured. I was yeah. pinned in it. My legs didn't work. So what happened next? I just, How'd they find you? I just quietly hung there, upside down. So you weren't submerged? No. Okay. No, I was in the middle of the highway. The car was crashed. Oh, I see I've got a mean. nice okay. picture of it. Okay. And uh, next thing I know, I'm being pulled out. Yeah. Uh, by a priest that was on his way back to of a all. town called Chilliwack. Wow, of all places. Where he was were driving you? behind me. You were in, what, where were you? Uh, I was outside of the Okanagan, where I, where I live in Canada. Okay. Uh, it's all mountainous territory. Right. And I was coming back to the city of Vancouver. Okay. So was that kind of a wake-up call for you? Well, that changed everything. That changed everything. Uh, so that happened on November 11th. And so I wear a $9,000 watch that doesn't move. Mm. It's stuck on 11. My okay. tattoo. Yeah. is a tiger ripping apart a pocket watch on the 11th hour. Okay. Just to remind me that I can't go back there again. Yeah. yeah. So my father, I think it hit him the hardest. Right. He just came in the hospital crying because he thought it was his fault because I had turned into this person right. to save the family house. Well, I, I was curious, you know, we didn't touch upon it, but what did your family think of what you were doing? Obviously, you know, you, you got the house, the family out of foreclosure. What did your immediate, you know, friends my and family think of? My father thought I was a doorman. Okay, so nobody so, knew? Well, no, he didn't know for the first while. What happened was they, they started paying attention to male stripping, the media, like huge, because we were making massive amounts of money, right? So I'm, I'm 25 years old. I own a, a nightclub, an art gallery, and a fitness center. I've got three Corvettes and two houses. Wow. Well, how am I doing that? Yeah. And I don't get any paychecks. Yeah. Right. bank thought I was a drug dealer, but they were wrong. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we were making outrageous amounts of money. And for my father, the way, the way he found out was awful because they did a, a newspaper article, a huge one, the Vancouver Sun, on the new breed of male stripper, which was bodybuilders, and, and we were acrobats, and we were gymnasts. And one of the older strippers was suing the company for age discrimination because he was 33 years old, and these 22 and 23-year-olds were coming in, taking all his work. Well, they used my picture as the main guy that was taking everybody's work. Wow. My dad read the paper every morning. There you go. So I came up to have my cereal, yeah. and there's my dad reading the paper. Wow. That's how he found out. What is your hope that readers take away from the book? I want them to see what happens when you get everything you want. I want them to see what happens when those boundaries I talked about, when they start moving too far. Because that's what's happening out here. And I don't think society is noticing it. So but what, I am. Yeah. What, what is your fear? My fear is we're going to go too far. When we accept everything as normal, we're in trouble. And that's what happened to us. We had a small society. It was like a bubble. And we had no law. We, we, nothing was recorded. We could do anything we wanted. Yeah. And we had way too much money. But nobody stopped us. Yeah. No one ever stopped us. Right. So we died. We, 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 you know, I mean, the things that we Nine were doing. Nine lives. <laughs> yeah. We died. And I think a lot of people are curious, what are you, what are you doing now? 
now I'm an inspirational speaker. I'm, I'm international. I've, I've got an international award for speaking. Okay. Um, I beat out 88 countries to get that. Wow. And uh, my story is very unique, but it relates to everybody, right? Yeah. Everybody wants what they want, but what happens when you get everything? Right. Then yeah. you better watch out. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tale told. It's just through a different vehicle, your story. Exactly, exactly. It's yeah. a unique story, but it's, it's yeah. one everyone can relate Common to. Common ground. Well, yeah. it's a unique read, and um, thank you for going into so much detail. You really, it's no holds barred, and uh, uh, it's quite I, the journey. I, I don't think I'm afraid of anything. Yeah, no, apparently not. Uh, <laughs> is there going to be another book? Uh, there already is. Uh, How to Be Yourself and Get Away With It. All right. Well, we'd yeah. love to see you back. Yeah, we'd love to come back. All right. If you'd like more information on the book, just check out our website, csweetbookclub.com, c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. Like what you just heard? Visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Sweet Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.